Well, uh, happy birthday to everybody, 35 years. Uh, it's about very close to my age, I think, 35. So <laughs> it's about that, isn't it? Yeah, all that of our youngest children. Uh, but it's been a blessing to be a part of the ministry here at Grafton, and uh, I think that would have gone for 34 of those 35 years. It took Pastor Davis and I a year to find each other, and when we did, disagreed on one or two things and we still disagree on those uh, but uh, we agree on just about everything else and praise the Lord we've been able to mainly through the college train up um, some men and women who are now preaching the gospel it's been a great alliance for us across Hubble Bible Church and we still have camps together and our, our assistants associate pastors are carrying on that, that task and so we praise the Lord for your church and we don't know what we do without you. So uh, thank you for letting me be a part of the uh, celebrations today. Now, um, I'll just keep having a prayer. I'll have a little drink of water first. Those mouths do dry out, don't they? And uh, I'll just commit our time to the Lord. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you that we're able to open the Bible together. There's so many other places today they're not able to do that. And so we thank you that we have that privilege. Lord, when we don't have it, we realise how much we need it and how much we desire it. We pray for those places, Lord, where they aren't able to meet together for fellowship. I uh, pray that you'll make up for them another way. And for us, Lord, I pray that you might help us to, to Lord, um, if there's some, just something that you might give us to encourage us or challenge us today, I pray that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Darren so nicely read those first five verses from Deuteronomy chapter 1. This is just really where I'm going to give an introduction for the message to come. I won't read those verses again. I've got a few verses for us to read as we go through. But picture the scene that is presented here in these opening verses of Deuteronomy. <coughs> uh, the Israelites were pitched on the east bank of the Jordan River. And uh, that part of uh, the world now is the nation of Jordan. And the places that are mentioned in uh, verse 1 were the boundaries and limits of the plain of Moab. The Israelites by this time had conquered much of the territory on the eastern side of the Jordan River. It once belonged to the Amorites, but now it was possessed by the Israelites. There were probably millions of Israelites at this stage waiting for the command to invade and to conquer Canaan. This was a generation whose parents had failed to enter the promised land. There had been 39 years and 10 months since the previous generation had been sent to wander and die in the wilderness. 39 <laughs> years and 10 months. <coughs> Only three men of war on that, of that previous generation had survived the journey, as you know. These were Caleb, Joshua and Moses. Only two of those would get to go into Canaan. And now, somewhere on the plain of Moab, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses stood and addressed the people. He was the one who would miss out on entering the land. But he was the one, along with his brother Aaron, who had led the people out of Egypt all those years before. He was the one who would spend time with God on the mountain to receive the law that it would eventually bear his name, the law of Moses. 
He was the one who acted as a mediator between God and the people when God was angry with the people. Sometimes he even wanted to wipe them out. Moses was the one who would mediate on their behalf. The people now knew that if ever there was a man who was strong with God, it was Moses. To stand against Moses was to stand against God and who could do that and live? Now their 120-year-old leader stood before them to give his last message. In fact, there were three long sermons. Sounds like a conference, doesn't it? No, no. It's probably longer than conference, I'm sure. There were three long sermons plus a little bit extra that we now call the book of Deuteronomy. And in these sermons, Moses would recall the history and he would actually add to their law. But also in this book we learn that he was not only a great leader, a great historian, a great lawgiver, but he wore one other hat that not everybody actually knows about, I think. He wore one other hat and that's what we find in Deuteronomy 34. So let's all go over to the end of the book, Deuteronomy 34 verse 10, and we'll see what other hat he wore as he led the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 34, verse 10. And of course, this would have been Joshua writing this last section. And we read, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel, like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Moses was, yes, a lawgiver, an historian, a leader, but he was also a great prophet. And in a real sense, he was the prototype of what a prophet should be. And in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses gave some amazing prophecies, prophecies that are still unfulfilled today. There's still future today. And in my two messages to this morning, I want to look at some of the prophecies he gave and the context in which he gave them. And so for the first uh, message and the first um, prophecies that we find that I want to share with you today, we need to turn to Deuteronomy 27. Deuteronomy 27, and we're going to read here about a command that he would give to the Israelites when they entered into the land, and it concerns, it concerns uh, the stones and altar of Mount Ebal. So let me just uh, read these verses, Deuteronomy 27 and verses 1 to 8. Moses with the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when you shall pass over Jordan into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set up the great stones and plaster them with plaster. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a land that floweth milk with milk and honey, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee. Therefore it shall be, when ye be gone over Jordan, that ye shall set up these stones which I command you this day in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster. And there shalt thou build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones, which thou shalt not lift any iron tool there upon, upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God. And thou shalt offer peace offerings, and thou shalt eat there, and rejoice before the Lord thy God. 
and thou shalt write upon the stones all the words of this war very plainly. And so here we read that Moses gave instruction to uh, the Israelites that once they crossed over the River Jordan, uh, when they first entered Canaan, they were to set up some great stones, probably two, and they were to plaster them. And then they were to write on them all the words of this law. And I think uh, the law that he's referring to is the law that he's about to go on, the law of the blessings and the cursings. They were then to take these stones and set them up in Mount Ebal, which was in the land of Canaan. They were then to take these stones and set, sorry, set them up in Mount Ebal. When they had done that, they were then to make an altar from uncut stones, and I suppose that was to sanctify the place. And on that altar, they were to make burnt offerings and peace offerings. Now, Mount Ebal was across from Mount Gerizim, and the space between Penan to this day is like a, a natural amphitheater. Mount Ebal on one side, Mount Gerizim on the other, and then this, this valley, which was like a great amphitheater. And so this was a good place to get a message over to a large crowd, and this is probably why the Lord chose this place. You see, the, that message that would be written on that large stones was also to be preached to the people. They were to write down this, this law, but they were also to have preach these, 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 these laws to the people. And what they were to write and what they were to preach, what we see in verses 19 to 14, they are the blessings and the cursings. So let me read about those in verse 9. Moses and the priests and Levites spake unto Israel, saying, Take heed. And hearken, O Israel, this day shalt thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt go therefore and obey the voice of the Lord thy God and do his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day. And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people when ye are come over Jordan, Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar and Joseph and Benjamin. These shall stand over upon Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, and Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice. Now verse 9 is very interesting because here Moses was told that this day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Now I assume um, this was because they had now become an independent, sovereign nation. They would have a land, they would have a law, a legislature, and uh, they would go in, into the land and this, through being in the land, they would be uh, a nation, they would be the people of God. And God, but God wanted to remind them that even though now they would be their own nation, they were still his people. They would be still the people of the Lord their God. And when you know what God had to go through to get the Israelites to this point, it shows again what a merciful and gracious God he is. If it wasn't for his grace and mercy, they wouldn't have been at that point and they wouldn't have been able to go across into that land and be that nation. And so he wanted to remind them who their God was. In verse 12, Moses gave further instructions when they visited Mount Ebal. Though not only to set up the great stones and the altar, but six of the tribes were to stand upon Mount Gerizim and the six other were to stand on Mount Ebal. 
They will be facing each other with the valley in between. And when uh, they were there, the Levites were to speak to them. They were really to speak to them these particular cursings and blessings. They were to say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, what I presume was written on the great stones. Write this law on the great stones and when you've written these laws on the great stones, the Levites were to preach or pronounce these laws. And so there was the written word of God and there was the spoken word of God. And so they would never be able to say that they didn't know what God wanted. He would written it, had it written and he had it spoken. So with the 12 tribes standing on the two mountains facing each other, the Levites either in unison or separately were to virtually shout out the blessings and the cursings. The blessings were to be shouted from Mount Gerizim and the curses from Mount Ebal and the curses were to be first. Now the Levites were to pronounce 16 curses and the people were to shout amen at each pronouncement. Uh, the first curse is uh, not a surprise in verse 15. Verse 14, And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord, and <coughs> the work of his hands of the craftsman, and putteth it in a secret place. The first curse was about idolatry, the number one sin. And all the people shall answer and say, if they were Australians, amen. And if they were Americans, they might say amen. Uh, but if they were Jewish, uh, Hebrews, I'm not sure what they'd say. But the first curse was announced and they would say amen and then they went through the list of the curses. Now the curses continued right to the end of chapter 27 <laughs> and into chapter 28. Uh, let's see somewhere in the middle there, chapter 28 verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe all his commandments and statutes which I command thee this day, with all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. See, the thing is, these, these curses will come upon the people if they failed to obey the commandments of God. Verse 16, Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. And so the curses went on that would come upon the people if they failed to disobey, if they failed to obey God's word. Also included with the curses were the terrible consequences for disobedience. It's like the Lord uh, included every terrible thing he could to dissuade his people from breaking the law. It's amazing uh, some of the things he came up with. Have a look in verse 20 to 22. <clears throat> the Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation and rebuke, and in all that thou settest thine hand, thine hand for, uh, unto for to do, unto thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make pestilence cleave unto thee, until uh, he hath consumed thee from off the off the land whither thou goest to possess it the Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with a sword and with a blasting with mildew and, <laughs> and they shall pursue thee until thou perish Whew. that's a great list of terrible things that are going to happen if you don't obey God's law 
Now, these law and cursings related uh, to, sorry, the law these curses were, were related to was the law written on these stones, as I said. God's curses and these nasty consequences would come upon the people who didn't confirm this law and then do it. Now, some of the consequences that would flow would flow out of other consequences. If they sinned and, and, and there was a certain consequence, then there would be sometimes other con- consequences that would flow. And what Moses has said here to the people actually were prophetic things, things that would actually happen to the nation because they would, well, <laughs> they would eventually, as we'll see, disobey the law. Have a look in verse 41. It's interesting that here's Moses right back in the early days right at the beginning of the formation of Israel and these are these are really prophetic things verse 41 thou shalt beget sons and daughters but thou shalt not enjoy them for they shall go into captivity there's going to be a captivity for the children of Israel verse 49 the Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far from the end of the earth and Swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. There would be an invasion by foreign powers. And we could all think of them. Is that Assyria? Is that Babylon? Um, could even be Egypt. Um, these would be some of the consequences if they, uh, if they fail to obey the Lord. Have a look in verse 52. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates until thy high and fence walls come down wherein thou trustest throughout all thy land, and he shall besiege thee in all the gates throughout all thy land which the Lord thy God hath given thee. There's going to be, your cities are going to be besieged. Your children will be in captivity. There will be invasion of foreign powers, and some of those foreign powers would, would, would besiege the city. This is all very prophetic, isn't it? Because we know these things did actually happen. And then have a look in verse 62. And ye shall be left few in number, whereas ye were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. And it shall come to pass that the Lord, as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught. And ye shall be plucked from off the land, whither thou goest to possess it. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from, from one end of the earth even unto the other, for there shall serve and there shall serve other gods which neither thou nor thy fathers have known even wood and stone and so here we read that one of the consequences if they failed to obey um, the law if they came under the curse of god is that the the numbers of the people of israel the children of israel would decline and they would be scattered among the nations and when i was born into this world that's exactly the situation for the Israelites, scattered among the nations without, well, when I was born in 56, they did have a homeland in 48, but certainly it's taken a very, very long time for them to actually uh, be back in the land, to have a homeland, a very small part of the homeland, and they're still scattered among the nations. What Moses is predicting here thousands of years ago, it's like, it's prophetic, because and it basically comes out of the curses because they would disobey the Lord. That would eventually be national disaster and almost national annihilation. Now these were just some, I've only read some of the consequences of ignoring these curses. 
And as I said, we now know in history that all this has happened to Israel more than once since then. So the Lord made it clear in the curse of the danger and folly of disobeying his law. And as I read through those things and how the Lord was just trying to say, well, if, you, if you disobey, well, this is going to happen or, or that's going to happen, uh, it made me think of sometimes uh, how we parents try to discourage our children from doing the wrong thing. Um, if you listen to strangers, you know, terrible things can happen. They might take you away and do terrible things to you. Or if you start smoking, you'll get lung cancer and your tongue might fall out, you know. We try every method we can to try to discourage our children from doing the wrong thing. Well, that seems to be what God is trying to do for his people. He's trying to discourage them from disobeying his law. But the Lord just didn't just want them to have the negative message when they stood together at Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Yes, disobedience would bring God's curses, but on the other hand, obedience would bring blessings. The cousins, there was a blessing as well for those who did obey. Deuteronomy 8, 28. We'll look, go back to 28 verses 1 and 2. So verse 1, Deuteronomy 28, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments which I command thee, this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations on the, of the earth. And these, all these blessings shall come in thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken, listen unto the voice of the Lord thy God. You see, the Lord didn't want them to think that he was negative or, you know, wanting to warn them about disobeying, but he wanted to show them that there is, there is blessing for obedience. And we read here that there were six general blessings and the consequences of obedience. Have a look in verse 7. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Have a look in verse 11. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of the cattle, in the fruit of thy ground, and in the land which the Lord swear unto the fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open up thee unto thee his good treasure. The heaven shall give the rain unto thy land in his season and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow. Moses made it clear that they were now the people of God so they were to live their lives worthy of that privilege. And that meant keeping the law that Moses had delivered to them. And if they did keep the law, if they did keep the commandments, then God would open up heaven the blessings of heaven god would reward them for their obedience now that's all i really want to say about the curses and the blessings but we need to understand that these curses and blessings that moses shared here and that were to be pronounced at mount ebal and gerizim these were specific to the nation of israel we can see general principles that come out of them for for us uh, but uh, this, these were all specific, basically, to uh, the nation of Israel. Praise God, if we are saved, <laughs> Jesus has borne the curse of the law for us. Praise the Lord. We aren't ever, we're never going to come under any of the curses that are pronounced in the law of God. But Paul did tell us, and he told the Ephesians, and he told the Colossians, 
that there are things that once we are saved, we we are the people of God, there is a certain conduct and lifestyle that is consistent and brings with, 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 with being saved and which brings glory to God. And so there are some negative things to put off and all those things are listed there in Ephesians and they're listed there in Colossians and we see them right through the scriptures that because we're saved, we are to put off certain things. We might say that's the negative side of being a Christian. But listen, those things that he wants us to put off are, 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 don't bring glory to God and they're not good for us. But the positive side, Paul told the Colossians and the Ephesians right through the scriptures, the positive, a, the positive side is that living God's way is the best life we can live on planet Earth. There's no better life. And if we live according to God's word, he will bless us in ways that we never would have expected. God promises to bless those who obey, obey and live for him. And in that way, we not only miss out on the curses, but we get the blessings. So the blessings and the cursings were some of the final instructions Moses gave the people just before he entered Canaan. These words that were actually full of hope for following the Lord and full of warning if they didn't. Now, having said all that, let's go to chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And once again, we're in the prophetic realm. This is not an if or a maybe. Moses said, after pronouncing the blessings and the cursings, and it shall come to pass, verse 1, when all these things have come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shall return unto the Lord thy God, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day. Down thy children with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. Now the, Moses, the way Moses writes these words, it's not as if you do that, well that's going to happen. The way that he writes these is that these are things that are going to happen. They're prophetic. This is what is going to happen. You're going to go into captivity and the Lord will one day bring you back to the land. But this is, this is going to happen. And have a look in verses 28 and 29. It's not really great reading. Um, th chapter 31, sorry, verses 28 and 29. He says, gather unto me all the elders of the tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. For I know, Moses, I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will be for you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. <laughs> so now... They were to go, when they went into the land of Canaan, they were to go to Mount Ebal, Gerasim, pronounce the blessings and the cursings. It would be up to them, but the Lord is actually saying, I know, Moses is saying, I know when I die that you're going to go into spiritual declension. You're going to turn from the way which I've commanded you, and evil will befall you in that latter day. They are the cursings, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord. 
So Moses knows what's going to happen. And the question is, knowing what was going to happen, why did God bother with the warning? Why bother with the great stones and their trip to Mount Ebal? Why list all the blessings and the cursings when God knew all along that they were going to blow, blow them off? Why would God still do that, knowing what would happen? Well, I can think of a few reasons why God bothered to do this. Firstly, it's so that nobody could ever say to God, we didn't know, we didn't know what you wanted us to do. You didn't tell us what would happen. Those stones, those blessed, that list of the cursings and the blessings, what we have recorded here, and what was spoken and what was recorded by Moses would stand against anyone who said, well, we never knew. They wouldn't be able to say that. And so that's the first reason that God would bother to go through all this process. The second reason, I think, is so that individuals could still choose to do right, even if the nation as a whole would do right. Many times we read through the scriptures that the nation turns against the law. The nation goes into spiritual declension, but there, are, there is always a remnant. There are always individuals who, when the nation went sour, would want still do uh, follow the Lord. The Elijahs, the Jeremiahs, the Daniels and the like would choose the way of blessing. And so that's why God had to list these things so that those individuals would choose, could choose to do right even though the, nature, the nation might not. And so there are two reasons why the Lord would bother to go through all this process of Mount Ebal and, and Gerizim and the stones and the altar and everything. But there's a third reason that I'll share in my next message. But in all the warnings, we see the heart of God for souls. We mustn't think that somehow God is being hard or harsh. He's, he's just like a concerned parent trying to warn his children against the, the consequences of evil and the blessings that he wants to share with them. And we see his heart, the heart for souls, in chapter 30, verses 11 to 14, and you should be familiar with these verses because I think you've been going through the book of Romans. Well, that part of Romans, Deuteronomy 30, verse 11, for this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it down unto us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. This is the passage Paul quoted in Romans 10 when he was talking about Jesus being the Messiah. Moses told the Israelites that they didn't have to go up to heaven, they didn't have to go over the oceans to find out what God wanted for them. That's because it was right there in the law, it was there in the word of God that had been delivered to them. It was there in the, in the written word and it was in their mouths as they spoke those words. Have a look in verses 15 and 16. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to to, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess. And here we see the heart of the Lord. 
look, I want, he's encouraged them. He says, I want you to, to follow, to obey my word. I want to be able to bless you in the land and multiply my blessings to you. This is the heart of the Lord for his people. And so having said all that, <coughs> knowing that he was soon to be gone, Moses gives a heartfelt appeal. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And what is he, what's his desire? Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. That's what Moses wanted for them. Choose life. Now, when I read a passage like this, I'm glad I'm not a Calvinist. If I believe what Calvinists believe, then this would be, be like a divine tragedy written by God to entertain the angels. If, this, if I was a Calvinist and I believed what they believed, this would be God's servant pleading with the people to choose, knowing that they couldn't because they don't have free will. It would seem insincere, even cruel, to, that God would plead with people to choose if they weren't able to. It would be like urging a man to walk when he doesn't have legs and then punishing a man he didn't walk. Praise God, I'm not a Calvinist and neither is God. It's clear from God's word that we do have free will and hence the ability to choose life and to believe or not believe in Christ. So if some don't choose life or they don't believe in Christ, it's not God's fault. The appeal Moses made to the Israelites is the same one God makes to every soul of every generation. But this has special application for us who know the Bible. We have heard the word of God. We have it written. For we hear the preachers every Sunday. We have the word of God opened up to us every Lord's Day. We don't have to seek a guru on some mountain or go on a quest over the sea. God has set before us in his word, life and death, blessing and cursing. We have no excuse about what God wants us to do and how he wants us to live. It's all found in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his word. And it really it's the Lord Jesus pleading with each of us today to choose life. He is like the Moses, pleading for his people to choose life. Choose life, we might avoid the curses and experience the blessings. You know, there is the eternal curse in hell for those who die without Christ and the eternal blessing in heaven for those who believe in him. And so I hope that you have made the right choice. The great evangelist D.L. Moody told of a godly mother he knew. She only had one son who was heading the wrong way in life. And one particular night she knew it would be especially bad for him to go out with his unsaved friends. And she pleaded with him not to go, but he wouldn't listen. So what she did was she lay in the doorway so she could block his way. But that wasn't enough. He just stepped over and went into the night. Like Moses, she pleaded with her son to choose life, to choose God's way, but he wouldn't. And I don't know everybody's heart here today. But maybe you're in that place where you are still trying to decide. 
look no further. Look no further than God's word. Look no further than Jesus Christ. <laughs> Maybe a godly mother or a spouse or friend or a brother has been urging you to choose Christ. Well, why not give in to Christ today and receive life? He is the only one who can save. He's the only one from whom blessing can come. So Moses instructed the Israelites, once they went into the land, to stop at Mount Ebal. But there was an important duty he had to perform before the Lord took him. That's what we'll look at later on, after morning tea. Thank you. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the clear warnings of your word. Those warnings were not just for the Israelites, but they are for us today who can still read the blessings and the curses. You can still read, Lord, of the consequences of my disobedience and, and, Lord, not following your word and disbelief. Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us every day to choose life, to choose the way of blessing. Help us, Lord, uh, to, to keep close to you and to know through your word what it is you want for us and how it is you want us to live. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.